This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Today we're getting ready to venture out on the mighty Mississippi River with the owner and operator of Blue Cat Guide Service, Bob Crosby. With a wealth of knowledge and experience to match, Bob will help us dive deep into the world of catfish fishing. What types of lures attract the prize catches? How you can stay safe on the water and what areas make for the best catches. Those are just some of the things that we hope to get to this hour. Also, Dr. Major is here ready for your pet questions. So join the conversation with a phone call. The number is one mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Email the show. It's animals at mpbonline.org. Always like to remind you that if you miss Creature Comforts, when it airs Thursday mornings, it repeats Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning. Hope that everyone is doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Libby, uh, any events that you want to share with us? Just basically to say all over the state, uh, the Audubon chapters are planning field trips and I've, I've gotten several emails so instead of calling all these places out you might go online and you can look up mississippi chapters of audubon society and um particularly the gulf coast people are real active and they've got some things coming up hattiesburg jackson starkville oxford area all around Holly Springs, there's always something good going on. And the Pascagoula um, Nature Center in Pascagoula's got some cool things coming up. Clinton Nature Center and, of course, the Natural Science Museum here in Jackson. Uh, we'll get somebody on pretty soon to start talking. Uh, it's getting close to time for fossil road shows, so okay. you can dust off your fossils and get ready for that. And the exhibit at the Museum of Natural Science is Ocean Bound. It's a really great exhibit, lots of fun things for kids to do and interesting information and just lots of fun stuff. All right, very good. You get to go in a, a deep water submersible and pretend you're driving it and all kinds of stuff. And hopefully my driving is uh, better underwater than it is above the water, but we, we might have to go by there and find out. Yes, you need to trash, check it out. So, uh, Dr. Major, you mentioned last week that February is National Pet Dental Health Month. Uh, so when we talk about uh, good health uh, for our pets' mouths, teeth, uh, what are some, some basic tips to keep in mind? You know, we find uh, a lot of dental problems with dogs and cats uh, over time. Uh, some of this is a genetic situation. Some dogs have just better uh, dentition, better teeth than others. But uh, one of the things that I would recommend is a routine checkup by your veterinarian uh, once or twice a year, uh, depending on how the teeth are. Uh, long ago, I thought uh, that there was some difference between canned food and dry food as far as uh, the teeth, but frankly, uh, we see dogs with that are on canned food strictly that have excellent teeth, uh, while others may or may not. So the theory was that the dry food would help to remove the tartar uh, from the teeth and prevent buildup. On the other hand, there are foods that are designed specifically for dental care, and uh, you need to consult uh, with your uh, 
a veterinarian and or a place where you get your food. So there are some things that you can do. You can brush your pet's teeth with they'll let you. Uh, some of them are uh, quite uh, good about that. Others you might as well not try. And there are some chews and this sort of things that can help uh, prevent buildup of tartar. Tartar, when I say tartar, we're talking about the buildup of plaque. Uh, and it actually probably occurs most at the gum line. And it's in some cases, uh, you open a dog's mouth or a cat's mouth, and it just about knocks you down from the infection and uh, the bad odor. So that is one tip off as a pet owner that if you're really seeing some pretty bad odor from your pet's mouth, it would be wise to have it checked out. Uh, and I think one of the tips that you've given us before is uh, maybe when a, a, a young kitten or puppy is to maybe uh, gently massage their gums with your finger and that is not only helpful, but that kind of gets them used to that. And so later when they grow older, that they might be more receptive to dental care. Exactly. And we see some animals that, you know, they readily open their mouth for you. You can uh, inspect the teeth, whereas others, it's it's almost a fight. Some of them have to be sedated, actually, to be able to look at the uh, teeth properly. So uh, it is good to start that at an early age, opening your pet's mouth uh, and also massaging, massaging the gum line. It's a good deal. Um, and when you take your pet in for kind of its annual checkup, will most vets give maybe just at least a precursory kind of look in the teeth just to make sure things yes. are okay? This should be part of the annual checkup. Uh, usually when we're checking uh, uh, for an annual checkup or even uh, maybe for a specific thing, looking at the teeth, uh, looking in the mouth, being sure there's nothing there, check the ears, eyes, skin, just an overall check, but it should include the teeth uh especially. And then any big differences when it comes to dental health between dogs and cats? Well, uh, sometimes the cat dental problems can be pretty severe. Uh, they, like the dog, can, can build up a fair amount of plaque and tartar. Uh, and in those cases, uh, they actually can have some serious issues that you may not catch before they develop into uh, more severe dental disease. Uh, and it seems like in cats, at least in my experience, that a lot of the dental problems have an uh, autoimmune-type uh, part to it, and that can cause some severe mouth problems over and above the dental uh, issue. All right, and so you said uh, odor is one uh, thing that a pet owner might be able to, uh, d- you know, detect as a possible uh, p- problem with uh, dental care. It. If you see them, like if they yawn and you can see their teeth, is there any kind of discoloration or it's plaque? I guess in humans, plaque, you can't really see it. So is there any visual cues? Certainly, if you're seeing uh, that uh, brown or uh, plaque, we call it, buildup on the teeth, uh, certainly that's an issue. Uh, And now, one of the things, sometimes pets have a, a mouth odor and their teeth look pristine, they are not quite as uh, maybe reserved as we are about uh, stomach uh, odor coming up from their mouth. <laughs> uh, but that is something to, to observe. If you're seeing consistent bad odor from your pet, from its mouth, you do need to have it checked. Right, and it's one of those uh, instances where it might be nothing, but it certainly is uh, wise just to check to make sure there's nothing uh, more serious going on. Right. All right, we've got a pet question on the line, so let's invite Jimmy into the program, calling in from Greenville this morning. Go ahead, Jimmy, you're on the air with us. Good morning. Morning. Uh, I've got a question. Uh, uh, 
I've got a German Shepherd that uh, two weeks ago was diagnosed with uh, pancreatitis. Um, she was treated, uh, brought her home. Um, but then yesterday I noticed that uh, she wouldn't eat her food to eat it. So I don't know if I should take her back to the bed and have her checked out again or what. You know, certainly if she goes, uh, misses more than one or two meals, I would get her back in. When she was, had the attack of pancreatitis, was she having diarrhea, vomiting, this sort of thing? She had vomiting, but no diarrhea. Right, right. Uh, the vet checked the enzyme levels and said they were slightly high. Right. Uh, treat her with uh, IV therapy and uh, antibiotics. Right. Uh, sent her home with antibiotics, and I started on her a diet of uh, of rice and chicken. Uh, you know, she, she tolerated that well, and I, uh, you know, started putting in her regular dried dog food, and you know, and also limited until she was just eating her dog food again. Right. But then just yesterday, I noticed. She didn't eat the dog food at all. But this morning when I walked her, you know, there's no vomiting. Uh, there's no diarrhea. She just, you know, and maybe I'm just being paranoid. Right. If she continues not to eat uh, during the day-to-day, I definitely would get her in to see your vet. Uh, there's one school of thought, and maybe true, that uh, dogs never completely recover from pancreatitis, and you have to be very careful with the diet. Not that she would be actively showing symptoms of pancreatitis, but diet is very important. So I would follow your your vet's instructions with that. But if she's not eating uh, today, I would go and get her back in no later than tomorrow. All right, Jimmy, we appreciate your call. It is time for our first break. When we return, we'll talk with Bob Crosby about the one and only Mississippi catfish. Where do you catch them? How to catch the big ones? and much more, so stay tuned. If you have a question or comment about catfish or a pet question or a brush with wildlife you'd like to share with us, call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 or email the show, send it to animals at mpbonline.org. During the break, we'll test your creature knowledge. What's Mississippi's official state fish? And here's a hint, it is not the catfish. We'll have the answer after the break, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. Our guest today in studio is Bob Crosby, owner and operator of Blue Cat Guide Service. He's going to be talking about catfish fishing in the state. If you want to join the conversation with a catfish question, a a pet question, a comment, or a brush with wildlife that you've recently had, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's one 877 Six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show as well. It's animals at mpbonline.org. My brush with wildlife recently, I guess it was uh, what just just last week, we talked about frogs, and we had played some frog sounds, and so I was walking in the park in Pearl like I do most afternoons, and I heard frogs going at it, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's frogs, but I could not remember the name of the frog. But fortunately, when I got into studio this morning, Libby helped me out, it was the southern chorus frog. But I think also then when I took my friend uh, back to his house in Florence 
uh, we stopped off at the the shell station right there off 49 and would hear both the southern chorus frogs but also some uh, some peepers some spring peepers so I was so excited because I, I you know I sort of knew what it was but I was uh, hitting myself because I couldn't remember exactly what the frog was so that was a lot of fun though um, before the break, we tested your creature knowledge, asking you if you could name the official state fish of Mississippi, and the hint was it was not the catfish. The correct answer is the largemouth bass. So, um, I, I don't any idea, Libby, why the largemouth bass would be the state fish? Well, sort of. I was at the museum when we made that. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's what people were asking for. It's kind of okay. like it's what we talk about on here is the callers, and that uh, seemed to be what people were responding and telling us they wanted so we did that on some of those like i know the first ones the the mockingbird and the magnolia tree and the magnolia blossom they actually had school children vote on it years ago so it's it's been um kind of a fun aspect and at the museum we that was one of our jobs was to kind of keep up with all those things all right, so we're going to welcome our guest today. It's Bob Crosby. He's owner and operator of Blue Cat Guide Service and catcher of big, big catfish from the Mississippi River. So, uh, Bob, first start off, tell us a little bit about uh, Blue Cat Guide Service. Well, yes, but if I may, before I answer that question, Libby was talking about the Natural Science Museum. Uh, next time you go to the Natural Science Museum, about two years ago, they called me and asked me if I'd bring them a catfish. Their big catfish passed away. Okay. A real sad situation. <laughs> so anyway, about two years ago, I took him a catfish, about 50 pounds, and he's doing real good in the, uh, I think it's the Pearl River exhibit, the big tank Pearl River yes, exhibit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think now he's up to about 60 pounds. Wow. So he's doing well. All right. That's but, good to uh, hear. I've already forgot your question. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he well, just well, likes to talk about big fish. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about the Blue Cat Guide Service. Yeah, Blue Cat Guide Service. Uh, I got on the Mississippi River uh, primarily at Vicksburg. Occasionally we go to Port Gibson, but uh, we just go up and down the river, and we, we catch all sizes of catfish, but we uh, concentrate and try to target what I call the trophy catfish. Uh, the Mississippi River has the largest catfish in North America. All the states that join the Mississippi River, all their records, state records, come from the Mississippi River. So it's a huge body of water. Uh, it takes a long time to grow a big fish. You know, a 30, 40, 50-pound fish, there's you know, no telling how old they are. So the Mississippi River doesn't have that much pressure. It doesn't have many ramps, so... It just gives the fish time to get big. Mm-hmm. So we, we love going over there. Uh, I love taking people. So, And my website is bluecatguideservice.com. Okay. Got a lot of uh, videos of Mississippi River, uh, a lot of pictures of big catfish. So I encourage anyone that's interested to go on there and see my video. How long have you been fishing? Oh, shoot. Uh, I grew up. In Vicksburg, actually. And my dad had a big flat-bottom uh, boat, and he would take the whole family over to Eagle Lake at Vicksburg, Mississippi, fishing. And when we were too young to fish, Mom would put a pallet in the bottom of the boat. We'd crawl around on the bottom of the boat, playing with the crickets and the minnows. <laughs> so Dad says uh, he started us fishing when we were still in diapers. <laughs> All right, so the interest in, in the big catfish, when did that develop? Uh... I've always, you know, fishermen like to catch big fish, you know, and uh, 
years ago, a buddy and I went over the Mississippi River just looking for an adventure, a different fishing place. And uh, we didn't have much luck at first, but we saw the potential. And we caught a couple of those big fish. It's just it's the closest thing to deep sea fishing you can have unless you go to the Mississippi Gulf Coast or the Louisiana Gulf Coast around here. But it's just a thrill to catch those big fish. So uh, give us an idea of, of the scale we're dealing with here. You said the, the catfish that you, you got for the museum is now 60 pounds. Uh, maybe compare that to the catfish that they grow in the uh, aquaculture ponds in the Delta that are eventually food. How big would those be? Oh, those are just what we call, what I call eating size fish. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably a pound, pound and a half, what you see in the grocery stores and the restaurants. Mm-hmm. And uh, we catch eating size fish in the river also, and I encourage people to eat them. There's great, great eating fish in the Mississippi River. But... Uh, Again, these big fish, we catch, I think the Mississippi State record on blue cat is 95 pounds. Wow. And uh, we've caught cat fi- blue cats up to 90 pounds, but that's still my goal to break the state record. But uh, 25, 30-pound catfish are real frequent, but we uh, catch 40s, 50s, even 60s and better. But uh, And now you let these go primarily, right? The oh, yeah. Ones, Catch and release. Yeah. yeah. The eating size fish, I encourage people to keep them. They should. But uh, it's a shame to kill something that old. And I encourage people, to, we, we catch them, we get them in the boat, weigh them quickly, delicately handle them, take their pictures, and then we release them. All but, right. um, yeah, I very much encourage people to release those big fish. It's a crime to kill a big fish like that. You're listening to Creature Comforts, and this morning we're talking with Bob Crosby, owner and operator of Blue Cat Guide Service. We're talking about fishing for big catfish on the Mississippi River. So if you have a question for Bob, or if you have a pet question for Dr. Major, or if you have a brush with wildlife that you'd like to share with us, we've got some open phone lines. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. Send an email. It's animals at mpbonline.org. So again, Bob, try to give us a little contrast here. We, You know, those eating catfish, they're about the size of a dinner plate. Right. These big ones, how long do they get? Oh, shoot. Um, my personal best is 75, and I've got a picture holding him up, and he's almost, I'm 6'2", and I'd say he was almost as long as I am. Wow. He was probably... Six feet, a little less. Well, think about what, how old a child is 75 pounds. That's a pretty big kid yeah, or yeah. a big dog. That's a big yeah. dog. You yeah. can compare it to your pet and get an idea. How much does your cat weigh? Yeah, yeah I, love to take, <laughs> yeah. I love to take children, and I tell them, you know, I'll have a 12 or 13-year-old, and I'll say, we're going to catch a fish as big as you are today. <laughs> <laughs> they probably don't believe you, but then when they see it, that, that that's the proof is in the pudding there for sure. Yeah. Um, in another review, you mentioned that on your fishing bucket list is fishing for salmon and halibut in Alaska and tuna fishing in southern Louisiana. Any of those been checked off yet? I, I was able to go tuna fishing. That was a thrill, but I still haven't gone to Alaska for the salmon and the uh, uh, halibut. So tell us a little bit about uh, the tuna fishing experience. Oh, that was a thrill. They're big fish, and they're – oh, they, they pull uh, – it probably took an hour to get, we caught a 90-pounder tuna, and it probably took an hour to get that big rascal in. Hmm. And great eating. Oh, that shoot, that's a lot of meat. <laughs> Clean those tunas and bring them in. Yeah, I like uh, the, when I go to the um, um, the sushi restaurant. I, yeah, we in, we or, didn't return that tuna. We, okay. we kept him. 
We have got a caller on the line, so let's uh, invite uh, Kathy, who is called in from uh, uh, Jackson this morning, I believe it is. Kathy, you're on the air with us. I've heard that this is so much fun to catch these catfish. What is the best time of the year? Uh, actually, Kathy, this is the best time of the year. You know, a lot of species of fish, the spring is the best time. But uh, in the winter, uh, the catfish tend to congregate in the deep holes in the river. And we just seem to do better on the big fish. And, uh, you know, the weather can get bad, but, you know, here in the deep south, we get some good days, some sunny days. Uh, we catch fish naturally all year round, but uh, I would say the the fall would be the best time. It's comfortable weather. The fishing is great. And, uh, I, again, I recommend September, uh, October, November. Like I said, now's a great time. We're, the river's real high over there right now. People are staying away, but we're actually doing real good. They're still out there somewhere. You just have to find them and catch them. All right. Uh, we've got another call to get to. It looks like a pet question coming from Mark, who's called in this morning. Mark, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Yeah, I have a question about dogs. It's kind of a sad question. I have some neighbors who have dogs that have been allowed to just run freely, and they had puppies. And anyway, several of the neighbors have gotten with me. It's in Pontotoc County, and there's no humane society in Pontotoc County. And I've called the neighbors, and they can't even catch them. They're just, they're real skittish. They're, they're, some of them are mangy. They're, uh, they won't really bite you, but they'll bristle up and talk to you pretty good. If you, and if you ran from them or back down from them, they would, they'd probably bite you. And I'm, I'm quite certain they don't have vaccinations. I mean, they're just, and I, I don't want to shoot the dog at things. What do you do? Any thoughts? And they're gonna have puppies, more puppies. They they sure. recently had a litter, and they they were able to give those away. But they're not they're not really pets. They're almost feral, you know. Right. I don't know how, any thoughts what I can do? First of all, how difficult is it to talk to the quote owner, whoever feeds? Oh, the I dogs? talked to them. Talked to them last night, and I, and they said, "Look, I don't blame you. I'm not upset. I I don't want the dang things, but I don't know what to do either. I well, can't catch them." Right. <clears throat> There's some ways you can do this, and I. If you got some, you know, several neighbors that are same mind as you are, there are some humane traps that you can use. You can work with that. Uh, if the quote pet owner, which not very uh, good owner yeah, probably, yeah. but obviously somebody's feeding these dogs, and uh, I, I think they're just roaming in the garbage right. and all that stuff. I right. think. I would now. I would suggest uh, if you can to actually get get a group together and make a financial commitment and spay and neuter these dogs if you can, if you can catch them. There are possibly some, uh, uh, let's see, Pontotoc County, what, what's your closest large city there? Uh, Tupelo. Tupelo. There should be a humane group in Tupelo or some, uh, you know, group that could help you from there. I'm just thinking now. So, yeah, they caught one of them and carried it to them, but they they insisted that they must have a pupil a you know tupelo address, so they wouldn't take yeah, them. And, right. And anyway, they so they lied and got rid of one of them, and I'm sure he was euthanized. He got let, this real mangy. Let me do this. Uh, you can uh, leave your phone number. Uh, you don't have to give it over the air, but you can leave your phone number or email, and I will see what I can find out uh, for a group that might be able to help you. Okay. Good deal. I, I really would appreciate right. 
All right. So, Mark, I'm going to put you on hold, and then someone in the control room should be able to pick up. And uh, if you could just give Dr. Major some contact information, and he'll try to follow up for you. All right, Mark, thanks very much for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're visiting today with Bob Crosby, who's owner and operator of Blue Cat Guide Service. Uh, We're talking about catching the big catfish in the Mississippi River. Also, Dr. Major is here ready to take a pet question or two. Give us a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email the show as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more after this, so stay tuned. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. And our guest today is Bob Crosby, owner and operator of Blue Cat Guide Service. He's here to talk about the big catfish that you can catch on the Mississippi River. So if you'd like to join our conversation with a a catfish question, maybe a pet question, or a wildlife brush that you've had recently, the number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-672. 7464 or email the show send it to animals at mpbonline.org got some open phone lines so we'd love to hear from you this morning in fact we do have another caller on the line and it is bear calling in from jackson you're on the air with us go ahead yes sir and i don't know if uh, you've got a a guess that could answer the question but i've got a 20 acre lake that i've stocked with bass and bluegill and have wondered about stocking crappie and I've heard from two or three other people that that's not a good idea. Uh, just wondering if anybody there on the doctor or somebody might could uh, give me some some reasons for it or against it. Uh, Bear, I've heard the same thing you've heard, that it's not a good idea to stop crappie in a small lake like that. Uh, they're just so spawned so uh, readily and have so many... Uh, fingerlings that they just take over your lake. You just can't catch enough of them to keep them under control. Uh, Mississippi Department of Wildlife, they have trained biologists. I would contact them and get some advice from them, but uh, I would not stock crappie uh, in a small lake like that. They'd just take over your lake. And they won't grow uh, big is what I've always heard, too. Yeah. They're just going to be fingerlings. Yeah, yeah. They're overpopulated, uh, you know. Growing fish is just like growing a crop. An acre of water only, you know, sustains so many fish. Like an acre of uh, corn will grow so much corn. So if you got too many fish in there, they're just going to be small fish. Oh, appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Good to hear from you, Bear. We've got some open phone lines. If you'd like to call in with a question this morning, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Uh, so, Bob, I guess uh, safety on the water is always a, a, a major concern or something to be concerned about when you go out fishing. Uh, what are maybe some basic safety tips uh, that you tell your folks when you take them out on the Mississippi River? Well, I tell everybody that the most dangerous part of a trip to the river for me is the drive over there. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there you need to be uh, conscious of your safety 
on the Mississippi River. Uh, I've never had any trouble, but I'm careful. I've got a big, adequate boat, and my number one rule is always wear a life jacket. Mm -hmm. If you have to remove an article of clothing or put something on, take your life jacket on, we immediately off, we immediately put it back on. And, uh, you know, there's the big barges going up and down the river, they make a, a big wake. So, uh, you know, you, the barge can literally be, it looks like a mile up the river, and there's still some big waves following the barge. So you have to respect the barges. They've got the right-of-way, of course. So, you know, if your boat's not big enough to take those waves, uh, even if you got a big boat, we slow down on the waves. But uh, you just have to pull over on the side and let the barges go by, and the waves subside. Okay. Um, you know, we've talked about the size of these things. So if you would, tell us a little bit about the, the, the challenge of catching them. I guess in my mind, I'm picturing like maybe with deep sea fishing where you see that someone's sitting down and kind of struggling with the fishing pole. Is that a similar experience? Yeah, I think one of the big things is having the right tackle. I see people going over there all the time with inadequate tackle. Nobody's ever prepared for the Mississippi River. They take their tackle. They use it at the local lake or reservoir. Uh the rod, I think, is the most important part of the tackle. You know, people will take their bass rod, which is too light. You have to use big, heavy weights, 8-ounce weights or so on the river, and casting an 8-ounce weight and a big chunk of bait, you know, would literally probably break that bass rod. Uh, a lot of manufacturers now are coming out with rods designed specifically for catfishing. And uh, I've tried every rod on the market, and I think the best rod is in uh, manufactured in West Point, Mississippi by B&M Poles. All right. They've got a line of rods specifically for each method of catfishing, and they're very reasonable. So uh, I encourage people to get the right tackle. Uh, if they want to discuss it, just give me a call. My contact information is on my website. I love to talk catfishing. So we can talk tackle and uh, what would be best tackle for the Mississippi River. So tackle means exactly what? Oh, you know, we have to have an adequate rod. Mm -hmm. uh, the line, of course. You know, you go over there with uh, people that go over there with their light line that you normally fish for bass, 20-pound line, and uh, these big catfish are going to break it. Mm -hmm. So we use heavy braided line, big hooks, big weights. Uh, like I said, the Mississippi River is just another animal. But anybody can do it. It's an underutilized resource, and I encourage everybody to go over there, try it. But your first trip, if you don't go with someone like me, I encourage you to try to find somebody that's been on the river before. Mm -hmm. Go with somebody and kind of learn the basics of navigating the Mississippi River, uh, how to fish those big fish. And uh, I think you'll be like me. You'll get hooked. You'll keep going back. <laughs> now, I love that pun there, Bob. That's good, hooked. Uh, what about bait? Bait. Uh, we use what we call skipjack herring. It's a bait fish we catch out of the Mississippi River. But, uh, you know, if you don't know how to catch them, that's, sometimes it's more difficult catching the bait than the catfish. <laughs> but uh, shad is a very good bait. And most sportsmen here in Mississippi know how to catch shads. You can go to local lakes or spillway at Ross Barnett Reservoir and throw your net and catch shad. Uh, if you can't get that, uh, chicken livers, hmm. uh, night crawlers, uh, you know, catfish, they're not very particular, so uh, just get something and go fishing. All righty. Uh, got some more calls to get to. We start again uh, in Fairhope. Kathy's on the line with looks like a pet question for Dr. Major. Go ahead, Kathy. Hi, guys. Hi. I have a black lab mix that 
injured his right hind leg, took him to the vet, and they diagnosed a partially torn ACL. My question is, what are the odds of that going ahead and completely tearing? You know, that's, that's a very good question. It's difficult to tell a lot of times how, mm-hmm. how bad it is. The scenario that you see with ACL is that uh, the dog is immediately lame, uh, maybe toe-touching uh, after two or three weeks with either pain medication or with nothing. Uh, they'll start walking on it pretty much again, and then at some point they become lame again. So uh, to tell you how torn it was, I would have to uh, basically go with what your vet said. A lot of dogs will get better with cage rest. In other words, uh, medication mm-hmm. and cage rest. There's a good chance that that will tear. What kind of dog? You said lab? He's a lab mix. Yeah. He was a rescue dog. And a lot of times this occurs because the dog uh, steps in a hole running or jumps up in a tree, uh, very similar to what a basketball player might be uh, trying to dunk a ball and comes down on the wrong and leg in the wrong fashion so and kind of follow your vet's lead it, it, i don't know if you recommend it they recommend it surgery or not but a lot of the dogs will get better over time with a partial tear all right thank you very much all right kathy appreciate your call let's uh, stay on the phone lines our friend sue and beaumont is on the line good morning sue go ahead good morning i'd like to ask mr crosby and dr major a question okay okay Mr. Crosby, I, I saw this thing on National Geographic about uh, there were people sent an expedition out to look for this monster fish in the Amazon because it swallowed a swimmer. And I thought that catfish were bottom feeders. I didn't think they'd be out bothering swimmers or anything. And also, are there any catfish that live in, in salt water? Or the, are they all strictly a freshwater free fish or not? Well, there's a, I, there's a lot of saltwater catfish. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. And uh, also, you know, I go down to South Louisiana fishing uh, for redfish a lot, and we'll be catching blue cat actually in the same water where we're catching the uh, uh, speckled trout and redfish. So they're very adaptable. It's brackish water. It's not pure salt water, but, uh, yeah, you, you, they have uh, gaff-top catfish and different catfish uh, in, the, in the salt water, yes. Okay. And I want to ask Dr. Major, uh, do you think, Dr. Major, that when you talk about dogs' bad teeth and tartar and all, do you think it's because dogs, like the ancestors of dogs, were wolves who ate raw food, raw meat? Do you think it's because the pets eat manufactured food that may have starches and things in them that makes their teeth so bad or have really bad to get dental problems? Certainly could be a contributing factor to that. Uh Doing some studies on cats, for example, back before uh, commercial cat foods were available, which would have probably been in the, what, 40s, give or take, uh, cats uh, had very few dental problems because they were mousers, ratters, birds, uh, and I feel like they did keep those uh, teeth somewhat clean. I'm not saying that your cat or dog needs to do that now, <laughs> and we, you know, we've gone toward the commercial foods. But, yes, you may have a valid question there, uh, and it could contribute to uh, the dental issues. As far as that thing in the Amazon, uh, I saw the same show that you saw probably, and those are huge catfish. I've seen a uh, market in uh, one of the uh, 
Peruvian uh, villages there where they actually have uh, parts of that catfish rolled up in a roll. They have just about fished the big ones out, but yes, they are big enough, I understand, to actually uh, take a swimmer or have taken a swimmer in. So I, I'm not real fond of thinking about swimming in the Amazon uh, or any of the tributaries there, but uh, certainly it's a possibility. I tell you, I may put that on my bucket list. (laughs) Go over there and catch one of those huge catfish. I did swim in the, we swam in the Amazon every day when we were there. It was the cleanest water for bathing that we had available. So we uh, did do that, but I didn't see any big catfish. Thanks for the call, Sue. Good to hear from you. Let's take one more call before our final break, and it goes to Bob in the hub city of Hattiesburg. Good morning, Bob. Go ahead. Good morning. How are you? I've got a question about a dog. I've got a... um, a rescue dog. It's an Australian Shepherd Border Collie mix. Fantastic dog. It may be one of the best we've ever had. Uh, it's about 10, 11 months old. The only issue I have with this dog is he gets car sick. Um, you put him in a car, even for short trips, he starts drooling, and then uh, a lot of times he'll just throw up, yes. um, even if it's just stomach fluid. And um, I haven't tried the Dramamine route yet, but um, this is a 36 38-pound dog, yeah. what do you recommend? I've tried short trips to try to get him used to the car, opening the windows, but he right. starts that heavy drooling, and then boom. Right. There are some dogs that never really adapt to uh, riding in a car. However, Dramamine is a possibility, and there is a product that your vet has called Serenia, which is a great name for something that's ah. for vomiting, uh, and you could pre-medicate with that uh before uh, a trip, and I think it would help. So talk to your vet about that and see what see what you can find. Okay. It, what what kind of dose of Dramamine would you recommend? Like half a tablet? Or? It depends, and I hesitate giving dosages out over the over the radio. Right. But yes, you could uh, experiment with a low dosage and then build up to a little higher dosage. Uh, as far as using that, I would not give a whole tablet uh, to that dog. Okay. Okay. One other quick question. Yes. These DNA tests for dogs, like I, this thing, some people say this is a purebred Aussie. Some people say it's a border collie. How how can you do? You, do you trust these DNA tests for dogs? They're about forty, fifty bucks. You can right. tell what the lineage. I is think I work. think you could pretty well depend on it picking out the main ones. I've seen some dogs that, uh, you know, look like a border collie or something like that, and it came back that they were part dachshund and few other breeds so you may get seven or eight different uh possibilities but it should pick out the one or two main main breeds and give you the percentages so yes it can can work all right uh, bob we appreciate your call we need to take one final break this hour you're listening to creature comforts on mpb think radio our guest this morning is uh, bob crosby and we've been talking about fishing for catfish in the mississippi river Still time to join in a conversation with a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 We'll be back to wrap up the program, so stay tuned. Can't get to a radio? Well, don't worry. MPB Think and Music Radio are available online and on our MPB public media app. It's simple. Just log on to our website at mpbonline.org to get started. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. 
Today our guest in studio is Bob Crosby from Blue Cat Guide, uh, and he's here to talk about catfish fishing on the Mississippi River. Still time to work in a phone call or two, if you're quick about it, at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. Email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Now, Bob, I don't want you to give up any, maybe if you have kind of a secret spot or a, a sweet spot on the river to take folks to, but in general, are there places along the Mississippi River that might be more, better fishing spots than others? Uh, yes. Uh, you know, they always say 20% of the water holds 80% of the fish. So if you just go out there and just drop a line in the water, you're going to have difficulty catching a fish. But, uh, we usually concentrate in deep water. There's a lot of deep holes in the Mississippi River. Uh, you need a good depth finder, good electronics, and learn how to use them. But, uh, you know, we go to the deep holes, look for the fish on the depth finder. Uh, if you see fish, you know, we don't know if it's a catfish or not, but if you don't see fish, we move on. So when we find fish, uh, we'll anchor up, give them 30 minutes. If we catch fish, we stay there. If we're not, we move on. But... Uh, in the warm weather, we use, a, we use a technique that we call bottom bouncing. It's a real fun technique. You're holding the rod, you're drifting down the river, and catching fish as you drift down the river. It's sort of like, uh, uh, well, sort of like catching bass with a worm. You know, bass anglers are familiar with that. Mm-hmm. But it's a real fun way to catch fish, real productive way to catch fish. You're covering a lot of ground. But, uh, yeah... When you do that, if we find a concentration of fish, we go back and fish that same spot again. So we're always hunting for fish, looking for fish. We don't let the fish come to us. We're trying to find them. And I think earlier you were mentioning that, that it's it's such a great place to go fishing because it's a bit maybe kind of underutilized in terms of fishermen out there. Yes. I, I tell you, I like having the river to myself, <laughs> especially this time of the year. There's nobody on the Mississippi River. In the summer... Uh, you know, you see a lot of people camping on sandbars, swimming, enjoying the river, uh, and you see a few fishermen out there, but uh, you don't see that many. All right. So, um, you know, you had mentioned that you kind of grew up on the river. Um, where did you get the idea, or how did you kind of morph into the idea of taking other folks out to enjoy the river with you? Oh, I've had a real good friend. He was my main fishing buddy. Uh, we went together, and after we ex- experimented on the Mississippi River, we went partners on a boat. And uh, he developed some health issues and couldn't go to the river anymore. So I was going by myself, uh, taking some people, and uh, I enjoyed taking people. I think I got as much enjoyment or more out of watching people catch fish than I did myself. So uh, I had some friends that were guides, and they kind of encouraged me to give it a try. said, you know, hey, Bob, give it a try. If you like it, you can do it. If you don't, you can stop. And that was six going on seven years ago, and I'm just having a ball. In fact, I just retired from my real job, so now my real job is catfishing. (laughs) So I'm devoting full time to my guide service now. Yeah, I can imagine the reaction. I mean, I know if I were out there because I've I've never seen these, but you know, someone that's never done this and they pull out one of these giant catfish, I can imagine the reaction is just really priceless. Oh yeah, I had a group about two months ago. A father, his teenage son, and a grandfather. And uh, it was one of those slow days. The boy really wanted to catch a big fish. And I promised him he'd catch a big fish. I kind of went on, out on the line there. <laughs> but uh, we'd fished all day, only caught several small ones. We had time for one more spot. When we went to that spot, I grafted a real big fish on the depth finder. And I was just hoping and praying he was a catfish, hoping he would bite. 
So we put out the lines, and within five minutes, one of the B&M rods went down. It looked like a horseshoe. <laughs> so the boy fought the fish, and when the fish broke the surface, he turned out to be 48 pounds. The boy started jumping and yelling and hollering, and uh, we thought he was going to jump out of the boat. The dad had a little to grab him and hold him to keep him from jumping out of the boat. That was that's, that was really a fun trip. So what about the the uh, the health of the Mississippi River? Is is the is it doing well? Oh, it's great. Uh, every time I take somebody that wants to keep fish, the first question they ask is, is it safe to eat fish in the Mississippi River? And I've got a statement here from the Clean Water Act. I keep this in my boat and read it to them. So if you don't mind, I'll read this. This answers the question better than I can. Okay. It says, this is again, this is from the Clean Water Act. It says, after 25 years of the Clean Water Act and other water quality improvement efforts uh, nationwide, including the Mississippi River, are significantly cleaner. Recent Louisiana State University studies in the Mississippi River show healthy fish populations. In a recent Louisiana Department of Environmental Quality, DEQ, tissue analysis, fish from the Mississippi River were analyzed for over 100 toxic chemicals. 95% of these chemicals were undetected. Samples with detectable toxins were relatively low concentrations. So according to the DEQ, the FDA, fish in the Mississippi River are, are fine to eat. I would rather eat those fish in the Mississippi River than those Vietnamese catfish you buy in the grocery store. <laughs> That's for sure. Let's uh, see if we can get a call in here before the end of the show. Joel's called in from Natchez today. Good morning, Joel. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Okay. Thank you very much for taking my call. I got a question for Bob, and I've, I got in on this conversation just a few minutes ago. I'm traveling. And uh, I was wondering uh, if he can tell me, does he have a contact number or something and where he's located? Uh, yes, Joe. Uh, my phone number is 601-906-2835. Uh, uh, my website is bluecatguideservice.com, and all my contact information is on there. Uh, let me give you another phone number also, 601-953-5767. And then repeat. Nine, five, three, repeat those last four digits. Six zero one nine five three five seven six seven. And again, bluecatguideservice dot com. Okay, well, thank you very much. Uh, I was just wondering what what are you doing this time the river with it this high? I tell you, we've been actually catching fish. Uh, the only thing that keeps me from going fishing is if I can't get my boat in the water. <laughs> if the water gets too high at Vicksburg, you don't have to close down the ramp. But, uh, you know, the water now is all back up in the woods, but there's still a lot of fish in the river. Uh, we, the last few trips have actually been very good. All right, uh, Joel, thanks for your call. Uh, Kathleen is on the line from Osaka. Kathleen, pressed for time, so if you could be brief. I got a cat with a sinus problem. Don't know if it's an allergy or not, but she got out for two days in the weather, came back in and very congested. She's trying to sneeze. I don't know, is it, can I do anything like put a warm rag on her face or you know, something to help her out? Certainly you can. Uh, this is something that's new for her, not hadn't been going on right, uh, right. until the time she got out. It should be transitory. Uh, there's nothing wrong with you giving a little uh, Benadryl liquid. Uh, you could just small amounts, see how you can handle that. Uh, but certainly something to help her breathe, like a uh, vaporizer even, might help. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay, Doc. I'll check with you all next week, let you know maybe if everything's A-OK. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Kathleen, good to hear from you. Uh, Bob, if you could, one last time, give us your website. My website, bluecatguidservice.com. All right, and that would have uh, information on if folks want to uh, take a, take up your offer and head out to, to the Mississippi River for some catfishing, all the information they would find would all be there the on the information. And uh, when we go fishing, we supply everything. Okay. We supply bait, tackle, life jackets. You just bring whatever you want to eat and drink the day into your fishing license. All right, very good. That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. Funding is provided in part by generous listeners like you. To hear today's show or previous show, you can go to mpbonline.org slash creaturecomforts. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener was Michelle McAdoo. So for Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest Bob Crosby, I'm Kevin Farrell. Inviting you to stay tuned because up next at 10, it's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.